Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It says more about Donald Trump that he'll call the last remaining candidate bird brain or brain dead. It says more about Donald Trump that everybody thinks it's funny that he acts this way. I don't think the rest of the world thinks that's funny. I don't think that our kids need to see someone who acts like that. This is just the city of Dearborn, but that is where the biggest pocket of the Muslim American, the Arab American population. This is a place President Biden carried big time in 2020. This is key to his chances of defeating Donald Trump in Michigan again. Listen, I think the concept of Jesus is absolutely amazing. And if Jesus came here and wanted to visit me, I would be psyched. Would you like to know Jesus? In what way? I can put my pastor on your show. Uh, I'm good. Are you Nikki Haley, John King, and a conversation with uh, Kid Rock and uh, Joe Rogan. I am Brett Witterbull. It's great to be with you. Our telephone number is 704-570-1110. Always happy to have you uh, join us uh, at this time. And we have got so much going on. Later on, next hour, we'll have uh, Coach Matt Doherty joining us for the middle two hours of the program. And then uh, we'll take you into the fourth hour later on in the show. Hunter Biden went in for testimony today, and um, he we, we, he hasn't come out yet. We don't know what the questions are like. The Democrats came out after one hour and said, there's no there there, and everything is cool, and everything is great, and everything is fine, and don't worry about it. And then apparently, I think they went and they talked uh, Mitch McConnell into uh, quitting uh, as, the, uh, as the majority leader, minority leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell. Um, Blood money. Can we talk about blood money? This is a big deal. And this is a story that needs to be told. And that's why I'm leading with this. By the way, disgrace in the state of Georgia with the homicide of that young woman and Joe Biden not even mentioning it as part of his crime address. I mean, he should be proud of all the crime that is happening in this country because it's the only part of the economy that's actually grown. The crime economy. We'll talk about that later. Hunter Biden's lawyer is a guy named Abby Lowell. Abby Lowell served as a legal representative for a member of a Chinese criminal gang involved in the international drug trade. This is according to the brand new book that Peter Schweitzer has put out, Blood Money, Why the Powerful Turn a Blind Eye While China Kills Americans. Lowell was a legal representative for a character by the name of Ung Lap Seng who is believed to be a member of the Shui Fong Triad, which is reportedly involved in the international drug trade. The revelation is significant because Abby Lowell, who is Joe Biden's son's lawyer, has ties to an alleged member of a criminal gang involved in the drug trade, provides possibly embarrassing entanglements for President Biden in the light of his administration's weak policy on fentanyl. Joe Biden has done nothing on fentanyl. 
Schweitzer is the president of the Government Accountability Institute and a Breitbart News senior contributor. He writes in this new book, the conflicting personal ties could pose a problem for Joe Biden's drug policies with regards to China. Hunter Biden's attorney, Abby Lowell, has represented a number of American clients from New Jersey. Senator Bob Menendez to members of the Trump family. But he was also a legal representative for Ung Lap Singh. Lowell also represented Chin Fei who is accused of being a Chinese intelligence officer, and Lum Davis, who pled guilty to illegally lobbying for the Chinese government. The problem of conflicting personal ties when it comes to confronting China on fentanyl extends beyond the Biden family to members of his administration as well. The Bidens have additional ties to China. In addition, Lowell, Hunter's Hollywood lawyer, Kevin Morris, still controls Hunter's 10% stake in the BHR Partners, a multi-billion dollar fund with investments throughout the globe and with close ties of the Bank of China, a state-owned bank that was also reported. Joe Biden's international drug trade policies have not effectively held China accountable. Remember last night, you may not have heard this, but last night we found out that Hunter Biden's business partner, Yi Zhimeng, is tied in to the crew that has distributed thousands and thousands and thousands of tons of fentanyl that have come into the United States. And oh, by the way, while we're at it, they're in business with the Sinaloa cartel. Do you have connections to the Sinaloa cartel? Do you have connections to crooked uh, Chinese politicians, to people who are uh, manufacturing massive amounts of fentanyl and murdering American citizens? No, nobody in this audience is connected to that. You're not connected to that. But isn't it interesting? Isn't it fascinating to see a president of the United States not take the issue of fentanyl seriously? Not take the issue of cartel smuggling seriously. Not take uh, any of these issues seriously enough to defend the United States of America, which is really his only job. And he comes out and he gives a speech this afternoon telling everybody that crime is down. The only reason why crime is down in the United States, the only possible reason why crime would be down in the United States of America is because Jim Biden and Hunter Biden have been sidelined. That's that's knocked that's knocked the crime numbers down Be, because because they they are the folks who have been out there, you know, constructing the deals predicated upon influence, etc. I mean, this is really something unbelievable, but it's totally believable. I told you guys this about six months ago. I said Joe Biden goes to bed every single night and he believes he is Joseph Kennedy and that he has a family as 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 varied as the Kennedys had. And they were going to be the Delaware Kennedys and they were going to have all these deals cut. Except for the fact that they don't have that kind of money. They don't have that kind of cachet. They don't have that kind of heritage. What they have is more akin to travelers, if you're familiar with the term, than it is to the Kennedys. And Joe knows he just doesn't match up. 
News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Winterbull Show, 704-570-1110. I will go to the phones here shortly, but before I get there, I've been doing a lot of thinking as it relates to Nikki Haley. And I know there's people out there who say, well, what are you doing so much thinking about Nikki Haley for? Well, here's 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 why I, I'm thinking about Nikki Haley. We know what the knock on Donald Trump and Donald Trump's supporters were uh, back in 2020 and 2021 and 2022 and 2023 and now into 2024. We, we know what the knock was, right? It was, oh, they lost the election. And they think it was stolen and it wasn't stolen or any of that stuff. And please don't call me and tell me it was stolen. I'm making a point brought much more broad than that. So. If you don't accept the results of the election, you are an election denier. That is the framework for any person who is on, say, the Trump team, voted for Trump, what have you. If you say, if you say that Donald Trump uh, had the election, you know, not fairly decided, whatever it is, then you're going to get called an election denier. Okay, that's fine. And we remember all the election denial that took place in 2016 and 2017 with Hilarious Clinton and and her crew and how they were running all over the country trying to tell you that the election had been stolen and it was Russia and it was this and it was Comey and it was that and peeing on a bed, which is much more likely to probably happen in the Clinton's house than the Trump house. But anyways, um, here, here's 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 the thing. Here's the thing. Nikki Haley is running around running a pretend campaign. I mean, she really is. She's running a pretend campaign. She's going to all these places. She's I, I don't know how she's funding her efforts now because the Koch brothers have, have pulled their funding. So maybe she's got Holly weird people or defense contractors or I don't know who it is. But she's running all over the country telling you that. 60% is not 100%, so she's going to continue to fight for the 30%, which doesn't make any sense. And so as a consequence, I, I, I'm serious when I say this, I think it behooves us to start to consider that Nikki Haley is uh, an election denier. Look, Ron DeSantis took his lumps, went back to Florida, and he's doing his thing. Vivek Ramaswamy. He dropped out after Iowa, and, and he said he was putting his support behind Trump. Uh, Chris Christie knew to get out of the race. Think about Nikki Haley and what she's doing. Nikki Haley, Tim Scott dropped out. I think Tim Scott dropped out before. Did he, did he drop out even before the primary? And I think, he, I think he dropped out before the primary or the caucus. He just wasn't going to work. So Nikki Haley is the only person who is walking around saying that they have a pathway forward to win the election. How is that possible? How, how it is denial. It is a, she's an election denier. Now, I'm not looking to put her in jail. I'm not looking to convene a grand jury with funny Fanny Willis. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not looking to do any of that kind of stuff. I mean, you have a right to believe what you want to believe. Right. Just like Trump supporters have a right to believe what they want to believe. But I think she's a, I think she may be an election denier. And that's a hard thing to kind of say, right? Because, because I mean, where does she see the pathway to win? Perhaps, you know, perhaps maybe in California, 
Maybe you'll get some you'll get some votes. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't see it. Let's talk to John next. John, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Brett. I want to I want to quickly opine about your uh, your opening monologue. Yes, sir. And something that you said that I just haven't heard covered anywhere else in the news. You keyed in that Hunter Biden's Hollywood attorney mm-hmm. still possesses his 10 percent interest. Yes. In that Chinese company. Yes, sir. Now, with that being said, the Hollywood attorney has paid millions upon millions mm-hmm. of Hunter's bills mm-hmm. to the IRS mm-hmm. and given him money to carry him and all this stuff. But is the attorney really giving up his money? Or is he giving him his share of Chinese mm-hmm. equity in the company? That And I just wanted to toss that out there to you. It's brilliant. Because you said it. I haven't heard it anywhere else. Well, I, I, and, 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 and frankly, look, I'm 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 quoting from the Schweitzer book that is posted up over at at Breitbart. But yes. And I look your 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 revelation, I think, is phenomenal. It's, it's fascinating. How do we know where these dollars are sloshing from? How do we know where they're coming from? Remember, what is what is Kevin Morris in charge of right now? Do you know, in addition to to kind of managing Hunter, do you know what he's doing right now uh, as as a as a profession? Uh, he's an attorney. No, he's a ho- he's actually a Hollywood agent. Okay, he's a Hollywood agent oh. for some for for some people that you would know. I mean, these are names that you would know. Um, uh, Ron Burgundy, uh, yeah, yeah, Will Farrell. He reps he reps Will Farrell. Okay, now, and I'm not saying this. Look, no. everybody's got to have representation in Hollywood. Okay, so I'm not saying that he's doing anything wrong in that regard. But let's take this thread that you just dropped. You take this thread and you say, okay. What is what is Kevin Morris doing? Kevin Morris is supposedly doing um, um, a documentary about Hunter Biden's life. Okay, yeah, no. number one, number two. Guess who bought most of the artwork from Hunter Biden? Kevin Morris. Absolutely. Kevin Morris. Because, I mean, and look, the oldest dodge in the world is art. I mean, you can, you can, yeah. I can, I can put a squiggle on a piece of paper and you can give me $15 million and we'll say that that's a masterpiece. But this is all, you are spot on though, man. That is a great point, John. The fact that is this the money leaking out coming back through other channels is very possible. Well, I mean, of course it's very yes, possible. Thanks for the call, and man. Of course. Yeah. It's been washed. Of course, it sure has. It's probably, look, it's probably going into the documentary, right? It's it's an investment in the documentary. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. That's John. See, even when I don't even understand my own argument, I still understand my argument. No, that that was a big reveal. That was a big point from him. Because when you think about these these assets that are out there, if he's got 10%, if he's got 10%, which is what Schweitzer's reporting, what's the valuation on that? Now, y- y- you understand that, I, and I told this story a long time ago, and I'll find it. I will refind it, and I will, I will share it with you. Once upon a time, Hunter Biden went down to Mexico City to meet with Carlos Slim. Carlos Slim was one of the wealthiest people in the entire world. He ran uh, the, the Mexican... Uh, uh, phone company from Telemexico, okay? And Hunter Biden was trying to do a deal with him wherein 
you would get a percentage of remittances by doing like a Venmo type of operation where you may be able to send your money back and they would get a cut. Now, isn't it interesting that at the time when Joe Biden and Hunter Biden need the most cash, somehow, some way, you've got 10 million people that have come into the country and you know darn well that they're remitting money back to Mexico and around the world and somebody's getting a piece of the VIG. Somebody is. I don't know. It's incredible. Coming up, bad news from Michigan. News Talk 1110 WBT. It is the Brett Winterville Show. Good to be with you. We played this in the opening, and I think this is a very important uh, uh, thing to hear once again. Um, Give me cut number 18, if you possibly could. Cut number 18. Uh, This was last night in the Michigan primary that Joe Biden was, like, supposed to walk away with no problemo. Uh, here uh, Here is John King from CNN reporting the results. This is what Joe Biden received. Again, forgive me, 1,000. 141 votes. Dean Phillips, 54 votes. An uncommitted, make sure I get this right, Mm -hmm. 3,703 votes. So that's a wow. If you look at it this way, this is 23%. And this is 75%. 75%. Uh, and so mm-hmm. this now, is just the city of Dearborn. But just that Dearborn. Is where the biggest pocket of the Muslim American, the Arab American population. Mm-hmm. This is a place President Biden carried big time in 2020. This is key to his chances of defeating Donald Trump in Michigan again. They don't have to vote for Trump. They just have to not vote for Biden. And that's where the panic is starting to set in here. This is where the panic is coming in. Because the, the situation as we see it is perilous for Joe Biden. I mean, he he ran away with it back in 2020. He he ran away with it. The people were supporting him. Now, the people, the residents of Dearborn, uh, some people will refer to it as Dearbornistan, but but Dearborn, uh, those folks are angry about what is going on in Gaza. And Joe Biden, true to form, is walking around. Now, now think about this, okay? P- put yourself in the position of these Arab Americans, Uh, who are feeling like Joe Biden has sold them out. And then think about what's gone on in the last 48 hours. Joe Biden, he didn't he didn't go in and campaign uh, in Dearborn. He didn't go have a town hall. He didn't have a listening town hall. He didn't do any of that sort of stuff at all. He went on with Seth Meyer and ate ice cream and goofed around about dark Brandon and goofed around about classified his age and and all all that dumb stuff that they did now. You're sitting in Dearborn and you are angry. You are furious because of what is happening in Gaza. Now, the the fault of what is happening in Gaza is overwhelmingly the fault of Hamas for starting a war and then prolonging a war. So it's not even Joe Biden's fault. But Joe Biden is insulting these people by their absence. And what we are learning is... You have to pay to play with Joe Biden. You do. You you do. Think about this. This is a very important point. 
Why did Joe Biden wait a year to go to East Palestine, Ohio? Why did he wait a year? Because those people don't rate. He, he did a he did a, a, a 12, 15 hour uh, quickie uh, turnaround back to uh, to Tom Steyer's mansion there uh, in, in Nevada. He didn't stay on the ground looking at the people who were suffering in Maui from those fires. He barely, barely stayed for a couple of hours and then got back on the plane and, and, and came back for his vacation. Joe Biden is all about the pay to play. He is all about the pay to play. So now imagine, think of your loved ones and they're in a war zone and you're worried that they're going to get killed, that things are going to happen. Things are awful. And he goes with Seth Meyer on on what is that? Is that late night? I think that's late night on late night and he's eating ice cream cones and he's giggling and he's laughing and he's doing jokes about his sunglasses. Why would you want to support that guy? Like, I mean, in all seriousness, why the heck would you want to support that guy? See, I've always said, and this, this, this would be a brilliant play, but I don't think anybody would be able to execute it. Okay. What you need to do is you need to get somebody, I don't know who it is, but somebody that's got a ton of money. I mean, millions of dollars. And I think you, you, you donate millions of dollars to one of these super PACs for Biden and you request an audience with him, like a 60 minute audience, 30 minute audience, 20 minute, whatever, whatever it would be. And you just sit down across the table from him and let him have it. You just let him have it. You say, yeah, hey, I'm donating $7.5 million. Could I get a photo op with you, Mr. President? I'd love to get a photo op with you for my, my company, for my people, and all this sort of stuff. And, and then you just sit there and you say, the border is wide open. 100,000 people have died from fentanyl. The economy is sucking wind. Uh, you, you care only about the Green New Deal. You care only about the Greedy New Deal. You care only about the border. You care only about uh, uh, criminals. You care only, And just let them have it. Just let him have it. But make sure you're wearing a GoPro so that you can film his reaction. And that thing would go viral. It would go viral. In fact, you could do this. I mean, if he, if he goes out and makes appearances, he'll be in North Carolina, I'm sure, this coming week because of this important race for Super Tuesday. Th that's your opportunity. You, you should be, like, saying to him, hey, Mr. President, when are you going to finally acknowledge that 100,000 people died from fentanyl that you allowed to come into the United States because of your sweetheart deals with uh, the CCCCCCPCP? When, when are you going to acknowledge that? Uh, Mr. President, your son has obviously had chemical issues. Um, what are you doing to make sure that other people's sons don't end up dying from fentanyl because they're being attacked by the CHICOMs? Um, what, what are you doing to stop migrants from murdering beautiful young women with nothing but the brightness of their life in front of them or a two-year-old who was bludgeoned to death by a an illegal in uh, in virginia in the last 24 hours when, when, when are we going to finally get a little anger from you towards the people who deserve it most the killers no no okay then you keep licking the ice cream you keep licking the ice cream and we'll keep cleaning up the bloodstained messes that are out there because of the criminality in our country. Uh, Charles, welcome to the program, Charles. Hey, Brett, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Excellent. Hey, listen, I've been trying to re hear a replay of the debate that you guys hosted. You were a moderator. Uh -huh. And the, the, one of the questions that was asked of 
of the candidates was about abortion. Don, Brad, Don Bradford in particular was that you tried to pin him down on would you vote for a heartbeat bill? Where, where exactly do you stand on this? I actually think and, and he seemed to waffle like a real uh, politician. He wouldn't give a direct answer. I think I like his his position, which is no federal ban on abortion because I think it's a loser. But I hated the way he answered it. Did you get did you get the feeling that he was ev- evasive? And I apologize. I've not been able to listen to the whole thing because that. The page it's hosted on is very kind of squirrely, technically wise. I've been oh. for hours, but here it. So, who's your candidate? Like the, Who, who's your candidate? I I, I think right. It, I I think it's him because I'm afraid of uh, I'm afraid of somebody supporting a federal ban on abortion. I don't think there's going to. I think a lot of women are just never going to vote for that. So, are you are you looking uh, at so are exactly. are you looking at the Democrats on the other side too? Oh heck yeah! I would never vote for a Democrat. Yeah. So, so because I, I am pro-life, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think a federal ban. I think that turns a heck of a lot of people off. Well, I, I mean, there are people who are on that stage who supported a, a, a federal ban. I believe, as I can recall, it was a number of weeks ago. Um, I would, yeah. I would continue to, I would, I would watch the entire debate though and try to get uh, as much information as you can. Uh, I, it works fine for me. I've been able to go on there and I've watched the debates a couple of times. Um, I would, I would give it another try, maybe in a different location, maybe on your phone or something. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Whittable Show. Happy to welcome back to the program uh, Hogan Gidley. Uh, follow him on Twitter at jhogangidley. Uh, Hogan, good to have you back on the show. And let me let me ask you a question right out of the box. Uh, are you tired of the winning? <laughs> well, Trump's 5-0 and right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good for the winning as it relates to the, the uh, uh, you know, primary election. Mm-hmm. But as far as the White House is concerned in this country. Yeah, we've been losing for a, a good long stretch here, and I think a lot of the American people are looking around, going, "Wait a minute, this isn't what we were told Joe Biden was or is." Right. Turns out his policies have really set us back decades, if not generations. And it's time to do something different. So we'll see what happens. Um, he, he he gave a, a bit of a speech earlier today talking about crime. Did not mention the murder of um, of of the young woman there at the adjacent to the University of Georgia. This is a guy who doesn't want to deal with the crisis that he's created. And I think it represents what the American people are most frustrated with. Uh, what's the answer coming from from the, the Trump team? Well, look, I mean, obviously, I don't work for the president anymore or sure. his campaign, but the, but the prescriptions are pretty clear. Um, this is so frustrating because every single rate murder, homicide, burglary, aggravated assault, carjacking, mm-hmm. um, DUI death caused by an Ill- illegal alien is 100 percent preventable. That's right. We don't have to have those happen in this country, but the open border policies of Joe Biden and the Democrats mm-hmm. have allowed people to flood into this nation. Three million in a single year. That's not by accident. That's by design. Right. They think these people can come into this country, get on the government dime, and they'll never get off of it. And that is problematic for a million reasons. But I'd love the fact that these major cities who tried to virtue signal and say, watch how compassionate we are. We're sanctuary cities. Right. You're welcome here. After about five minutes of illegal aliens being there, now they don't want them there anymore. That's because right. they understand it puts a stress and a strain monetarily, among other things, 
on their first responders, on their health care system, on their schools. Yep. This has been a systematic erosion of America's borders by Joe Biden and his administration, that people know it's his fault. And this whole claim that for three years there's no crisis, no crisis, no crisis. Right. Now, all of a sudden, some Democrats, including Joe Biden, are saying it's a crisis and it's Republicans' fault. Nobody in their right mind believes that because they understand these are Democrat policies to claim you can't do anything to fix this as if all these problems are happening to you and not because of you is a flat out lie for Joe Biden to say we need Congress to act. Now he's flirting with the executive order. Wait yeah. a minute. I thought he couldn't do an executive. Order. I thought this wasn't a powerless problem. He's powerless. It is an executive problem. And he's looking to the legislative branch to fix it. The whole thing is a joke. And we're suffering because of it. Greg Abbott, did he write the did he write the roadmap to how, how it is that you, you, you deal with this White House right now? Because they were they were threatening and threatening and threatening. And then they just turned tail and ran. It's unbelievable. Well, I would also argue people like Mike Huckabee, when we were running his race in 2015, we were saying, wait a minute. Why don't we send all these illegal aliens into Chappaqua, where Hillary lives, or yep. into Burlington, Vermont, where Bernie Sanders lives? We tried to do it in the Trump administration. Deep State kind of blocked us. But thankfully, these governors said to heck with it. Yep. I always love watching liberals who want these policies all over the world, Green New Deal and open borders. Fine, you can have them, and you have to live under those policies. Yep. No, no, no. They don't want. They don't want to live under them. They want you to have to pay the price and you to live under them. So it really is kind of a justification of the America First policies that mm-hmm. really protected American businesses and American communities, but also just watching the left crumble under their own desires is always funny to me. Final final question for you. Do, do, do you have any expectation that we're going to see former Governor Haley um, walk away from from this race, or or do you think that her intent is to is to push this as far as she possibly can? She's obviously burning money very quickly. Uh, how much longer can this keep up? Well, she's burning money, but she's also burning her reputation. What little is left of it, she's also burning the GOP and burning the the um, you know the nominee Donald Trump. I mean, Democrats are cutting ads off of it. I, listen, I, I'm I didn't think she'd stay in through her home state to lose by 20 points, but she did. And, you know, vanity is a tough thing to overcome in a yep. lot of folks. She had money to keep going. It looks like the money's drying up a little bit. The obvious thing is for her to get out, support the, the nominee, uh, support the America First policies, and, and let's focus every minute of manpower, every dollar of resources mm-hmm toward defeating Joe Biden. That's where she needs to be. That's where we all need to be if we're going to get this country back on track. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame she's acting like an election denier, you know, that she's thinking that she's... So, <laughs> I'm, I mean, that's mean. I, I know it's mean, but, you know, as a talk radio guy, that's how I, I view it. It's like, you know, what do you got? Um, where do people keep up with you, my friend, uh, as, as you are out there uh, talking to the people, listening to the people, and, 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 and sharing with us what it is that you're hearing out there? Look, at J. Hogan Gidley, you said it right off the top, all my social media, True Social, Twitter, Instagram, uh, at J. Hogan Gidley. Try to give updates when I can and kind of news of day stuff whenever I can. But it's always coming so fast. It's so furious. It just seems like you got to focus on that all day if you want to keep up with what's happening in this world right now. But, look, I think it's a good avenue to find out where, where we are and where we need to be. Absolutely. Hey, be safe, be well, and we'll catch up again soon, my friend. Thanks so much. You too. Thanks so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. That's Jay Hogan Gidley. I'm Brett Witterbull. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. Here we go. It can be very tricky, Coach Matt Doherty. It can be tricky. It's tricky out there. It is. It's very windy. Yeah, it is. It's tricky. You know, um, get blown over the highway a little bit. Whoa. Yeah. Tricky, the weather. The weather is very tricky. Very tricky. Is, is it always... Is it always in vogue? Is it always uh, uh, a possible regarding of what the weather is for the uh, for the indoctrination to happen in schools? Like, is, is that is that a 24 7, 365 thing, regardless of weather? I, I think there's a, to- a total commitment to it. Yeah. And it's uh, very concerning. You know, it's 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 interesting when you think about where we are as a country. We have unbelievable assets in this country we are one of the few countries where you really can start with nothing and finish up with everything that your wildest dreams could 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 imagine and yet we are still told time and time again that america is a bad place it's an unfair place it's a it's a it's a rotten place people you've got 10 million people that just came across the border right are are they are they coming in because this is such a horrible place i mean i it's interesting, isn't it? I, I, you know, this this uh, this happened years, several years ago. It's, I think the, some WNBA players were talking down about our country, and a lot of people, including myself, were like, "Leave, go somewhere else." Mm-hmm. You know, listen, we we can always get better, but we have the best country in the world, mm-hmm. and um, there are people saying bad things about our country and there are people doing bad things to our country. That's right. And that's the most puzzling thing to me is why are the control oligarchs trying to break down our country? And to me, it just comes down to two simple things is power and control. Yeah, that's it. That, 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 that's, that's it a hundred percent of the time. You know, and if, if, if I told you some of the things that they were doing came out of a communist playbook mm-hmm. dating back into the 50s. It should be shocking to you, but that's, in fact, some of the things they're doing. Breaking up the family unit, attacking the church, um, you know, uh, controlling media. Uh, it, it's just, it's a, it's a playbook, and it's all about control and power. And it's very concerning, especially for the next generation. And this is filtering into our colleges. Mm-hmm. And I have a good friend who called me last night. And he was very troubled um, about uh, his child in school and what uh, she, um, you know, was forced to watch as, um, and, you know, basically it was, all their athletes were mandated to view and discuss a documentary entitled, I'm Not a Racist, Am I? Hmm. Really? Yeah. People that may not have been racists are 
being forced to watch this stuff. Yeah, and 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 then then you know, are you um, you have to another s- syllabus, a class, some department expects students to regard themselves as either you have to declare this oppressors or oppressed. Oh boy, here we go. You have to declare that. <laughs> so you have to decide whether you're students oppressed to regard or... themselves as yeah. either oppressors or yeah. oppressed. Mm-hmm. Like, how about that? I, I Listen, I, I, I think it's horrible. It's terrible. That's it, going on in our universities. And, and it is. you know, the Harvard president mm-hmm. got bounced. Claudine Gay. Because eventually the money people. Yeah. You know, I mean, just think of, just think of, like, how, you know, I mean, that was a lot about Palestine, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you think of all the wealthy Jewish people who went to Harvard. Yes. You know, that are now saying, uh-uh, no, we're turning off the faucet. We're not going to fund not you anymore. We're not funding you anymore. Yeah. That's right. And all Phil of a sudden, Ackman. whoa, hey, okay, uh, we'll yeah. fire her. Uh, but it, it comes down to money, and it gets real. And I just don't understand, like, why, why oppressors or oppressed? Like, who... And I go back to George Soros and those oligarchs, control the guards. Like, who, where's this? They have an unbelievable game plan, and they're executing it very well. For that, I'll give them credit. But I don't understand, and it's very troubling mm-hmm. time in our country. If, if I offer you something, and you pay me for that thing, and then it turns out that I don't provide that service or provide that thing that I'm saying I'm going to do, you can sue me. You can sue my company. You can sue me. You can do that. Why are we not able to aggregate a class action suit by people of like mind to go and sue these institutions of higher learning who are not disclosing up front that you as an athlete or you as a student are going to have to declare oppressor or oppressed until you get into that classroom? Right. And now you've been hoodwinked. Right. You've been uh, you've been told under false pretenses right. to go in there. You bought you bought A and you're getting B. It's, Ab- a, abso- it's a shell game. It's a to- absolutely. So that's I think that's where the class action lawsuits ought to go. And the people you sue would be the trustees of the universities because you say, well, you got to police your stuff. Right. Uh, you uh, my my student went in there for molecular biology. Right. And and you're you're telling you're telling me that all we're doing is a discussion on transgenderism or whatever other uh, thing. This was a biology class. That was a biology. Yes. Class? Uh, this is this is amazing. This is we I would encourage if you find out that your kids are getting these kinds of classes. Go get a go get a public interest lawyer, file lawsuits, sue the individual professors that are pushing this. Yeah. If you believe in it, you'll be willing to pay the settlements. Yeah, yeah. The tough thing for the parents is they and their kids sometimes don't want to tell them this. Of course, uh, because the 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 you know they're with their friends on sure. campus and they're always shamed by their friends and outcasts. I can't believe your dad yeah. ca- called the provost. Yeah, right. You know, got out. You know, uh, right. But, you you know, you've got to stand up for what is right. Exactly right. At the end of the day. You have to. If they were if they, if you if you were if you were teaching a medical class and you were giving purposeful wrong information. Oh, no, you should dr- you should definitely drink bleach to whatever that da, 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 cure something you get sued. It's 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 it, this is malpractice is yep. what this is. Um, and, and unfortunately, it's tolerated way too much in the public schools. 
but now it's it's bled into the university. It's it's and it's only getting worse. It's man. only and and worse. and maybe this is the bubble that breaks the universities because they keep it's like the housing bubble. Yep. You know they keep charging more money, more money, more money. Mm-hmm. Well, you can get the same exact education absolutely online. Absolutely. The only thing you're not getting is the branding. Exactly. That's that is exactly right on. You nailed it. Time! It's time to get ill. What's the time? It's time to get ill. So what's the time? It's time to get ill. Now what's the time? It's time to get ill. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Brett Witterbull, Coach Matt Doherty. You love the Beasties, don't you? Beasties are great. I want to thank Sherry for the Lance Captain's Wafers, Sandwich Crackers, Peanut Butter and Honey. Yes, sir. That's big. Like, this is a game changer. Um, Really? Yeah, I showed up today, and I'm really disappointed in the studios here. Why? Because the, the snack, you can tell I've got I got a little... You know, are you all right over there? You sound like you're getting choked up over here. So. Um, Look at this. Excuse uh-huh. me. How do, let me wash it down. Here, let me. Uh, let me. Uh, I'll, 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 fill, I'll fill the. Uh, I'll, I'll fill the uh, moment here as he's uh, knocking back. Knocking back, uh, yeah. back a cold one. Go ahead. So, I had to go down there, and they only had the Lance Toasties, Toast Cheese, which <laughs> like toast cheese. Is that what that is? Like that's that's what it sounds like. And I'm not a big fan because it it's kind of crumbles. You know, the cracker is not really a cracker, and then it's like you get orange on your fingers. I'm just not a fan. So I had to get them. But then I come back and I see this box, this eight-pack of the Lance Captain's Wafer Sandwich Crackers, peanut butter and honey, and I've not had them before. These are number two. I mean, the, the, the Nikots are number one. I just like the snap of the cracker, which is really a cookie. Um, and so- wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. So you're telling me, you're telling me that Isaac is number one with a bullet. And and this is number two. I'm telling you that not Isaac. 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 Who's Isaac? Uh, Isaac Brock. Oh yeah, yeah. That guy. Whoa. Wow. How quick they forget. Yeah. No. Bo is my guy. Bo. His dad. Oh. His dad's my guy. Bo. Isaac. Just. Uh, he's a mule. He just brought them in. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Bo. Bo intentionally gifted me a, 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 a captain's wafers. Um, I mean the uh, Nikots, which I, t- I like. Are b- they're better? They're l- because it's probably sweeter because it's more of a cookie. That's all right. These are good. Thank That's you, it. Sherry. I'm not saying these are bad. I'm these a, are great. Next week, I'm going to bring something special in for you. I'm going to bring in. Oh no, Ritz crackers. Special Ritz, Ritz crackers. And we're going to make Ritz cracker sandwiches with saltwater salt taffy. Okay. All right. All right. Ritz crackers. Do you ever? I was watching a movie the other day, and somebody. Oh, you ever, you've seen Homeland? Sure. Saul is. By himself, his wife walked out on him. Yeah, and he's he's got nothing in the fridge. Mm-hmm. He's got like mustard, ketchup, mm-hmm. and he digs in there. He finds peanut butter and Ritz crackers. Oh, there and you go. Starts scooping. You're set. He's scooping. You get he's yeah, scooping it out. Scooping. That's good stuff. Uh, Robert wants to ask a question. Can we can we take this call sure. from from Robert? Let's let's. Uh, Robert, welcome to the program. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, Brett, you bring it every night, dog. Thank you. And also. I bring it. It's true. Uh, also, the uh, Coach Doherty brings a lot to the table as well. Wait, wait, uh, a lot? Know, like, wait, wait, let, let's define this, Robert. Like, um, like comparatively, you know, you, like you went with Brett, you say, you bring it every night, dog. And then with me, you say, I add, like, a little value. That's what I heard. You want to clarify? No, no. 
Matt, you bring a lot to the table. I'm an NC State graduate. Oh! Oh. <laughs> I grew up a Carolina fan. I went to Carolina basketball school for two years uh, when I was 11 and 12 years old. I got to uh, got to shoot some free throws under Bill Guthridge uh, and some other greats there. So I, I went to so, NC State because I, I majored in, in engineering. So anyway, gotcha. uh, you okay. both bring it. And, uh, WBT has brought it for a long time. I uh, I just had a, had a quick question. Well, first of all, let me say that I just voted. I voted this afternoon. Awesome for the big, for the biggest, baddest animal in the jungle. And by the way, uh, the person I have to attribute. I have to attribute uh, who said that it was it was uh, the cigar smoking Cuban Alex Castellanos. But he said it on CNN. He said he said we need the the biggest, baddest animal in the jungle uh, to win this year. So I voted for him today, and his name is Donald J. Trump, even though I like Nikki. But uh, what I was going to ask about, gentlemen, is the the uh, the gambling uh, gambling is going is going to be legal here in our great state of North Carolina uh, in ten days or something like that. And uh, I just wondered what your thoughts on that are, and and I also wondered, uh, Coach Doherty, what are your thoughts on Lynn Bias, who played under. The great coach Lefty Drizel, the great recruiter Lefty Drizel at Maryland, and so I just wanted to ask you gentlemen those questions. You know, uh, is that all, Robert? I mean, you only asked like five questions. I've got. To, I'm trying to keep these. I feel like a reporter. I got my pen out. I'm at <laughs> Len Bias gambling. You, you, you. UNC camp experience. Uh, mm-hmm. The real reason why you didn't get into Carolina. Um, what, what did you did you co- did you coach him at that at that program? Yeah, I probably did. Did you get any tours? Remember what a tour was like? If you didn't make your bed, did you have to run any tours back then, Robert? Well, I, I remember I stayed at Granville Towers. Yeah. By the way, uh, Coach, just for the record, I got accepted at North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Wake Forest. Okay, okay. I'm just busting your chops, Robert. I'm just busting your chops. I love to get Always on stage. Ready. Bring it on. <laughs> so let's go with Len Bias first. Uh, I had a guard Len Bias for two years. Uh, probably one of the best athletes I, I, I guarded. Um, Maryland always had great wing players, great players. Uh, Albert King, Len Bias, Adrian Branch. You know, people say he, he, you know, oh, he'd be the next Michael Jordan. Uh, no, uh, he didn't have that wiggle game. You know, he didn't have that in-out dribble. He was a straight-line driver, great great athlete, jump straight up and down, uh, and an excellent shooter back then to 18 feet. Um, but, you know, wasn't didn't move laterally uh, and didn't have the, the shake that Michael Jordan did, in my opinion. Uh, the gambling. Um I am working with DraftKings, um, and gambling is legal starting March 11th. Uh, I I debated a lot, you know, about this, and I, I guess my feeling is this: um, it's all about responsibility. It's like drinking alcohol, you know. Uh, if you do it in excess, it's a bad thing, but if you do it within your means. Uh, it can really enhance the experience of watching a game, mm-hmm. and it's just like okay, I bet I bet five dollars, twenty dollars on a golf course, uh, but I'm not betting a thousand dollars on a golf course. And I think if you have a problem, then you need to seek help. But I think it is entertainment, and it enhances uh, the entertainment experience. 
and 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 by the way, I'm Fanduel, so I'm, I'm I endorse Fanduel. I said DraftKings. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I do Fanduel. Uh, so. DraftKings. So we got you covered either way. <laughs> DraftKings. Robert, awesome to have you, man. Thank you so much for coming by, buddy. Thank you, gentlemen. Oh, you're very welcome. I, I, I bring it every night. <laughs> I, I do. People I, know this. And and I, like they know and this and about I, me. You bring it every night, and I I think he said I was a nice addition or something. No. A nice addition. Is that a was that a rock group? That was new edition. New edition. New edition. Thank you. Hell, not a rock. Yeah, what? Not what a rock a, don't, don't hate on me. I just brought it up. Like I'm not a savant Hold with on. music. Hold on. I got. I got. Uh, I got the the scouting report on Coach. I got this uh, faxed in over here. Um, it says he's got a high motor, high motor. and he's deceptively fast. So yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, Coach Matt Doherty coming up. Spencer Kimball's going to join us here in a minute. We're going to talk about the polling and what it looks like out there on this race. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show alongside the coach, Matt Doherty, joining us in studio. It's always great to have you here, coach. I want to welcome to the program somebody whose work I greatly admire and I consider a friend, Spencer Kimball from Emerson College Polling. That's right, my alma mater. Proud to, proud to be affiliated with him. I, I, I didn't go to UNC, but I did go to Emerson. And we have an undefeated basketball team. Uh, and football team, by the way, because, you know. You don't, you don't have football. And I, <laughs> Spencer Kimball, welcome, sir. I like to play with the numbers there, Brett. That's it. I like to, I like to, I like to manage them. That's absolutely right. Um, what are we seeing play out here uh, now, go, having gone, what, four deep in these races? What, what are you seeing in terms of the trend lines uh, on, on the Republican side of the equation? Regarding the Trump-Haley uh, race, yes, the nomination? Yes, sir. Yeah, Trump's, uh, obviously, he's grown in support in each one of these contests. Uh, he might not be reaching, you know, the 80% yet, but come Super Tuesday, uh, there's going to be some sco- states where he's going to be up in those 70 numbers. So, you know, to me, if I'm on the Trump campaign, you're building the momentum. And if I'm on the Haley side, I don't see where you're going to stop that, that train that's kind of already left the station. Do, do you have any kind of thought as to what she might be up to? Is she relying on him getting convicted or get sick or something like that? Do we know what it could be? Well, you see, that doesn't really work uh, because there's a nominating where you have to get the delegates. And so even if, let's say, Donald Trump just drops out of the race tomorrow, mm-hmm. well, then, you know, Ron DeSantis is still on the ballot in all these states. He just unsuspends his campaign. Right. And these other candidates would do the same. So. If, you know, if that's her plan, then why wouldn't you just suspend the campaign? And if something happens to him, then you can come back into the field because all the other candidates would come back in the field who have already got their names on the ballots in these states. But um, so I don't see that uh, in in the cards. The question is, is, is she burning bridges for mm-hmm. potentially 2028? 
Uh, you know, usually the Republican who comes in second is in a good spot in the next election cycle. Right. And, you know, some of that goodwill she may have earned up in New Hampshire is starting to dissipate, uh, particularly losing the home state. Let me ask you about what's happening on the other side of the of, of the battle, and that is uh, President Biden. Uh, obviously, he's he's, you know, running effectively unopposed unless you really count RFK Jr. and uh, the other folks that are out there running. But last night, a message was sent. And uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on whether or not this is a growing issue that could harm President Biden's uh, effort. Yeah, I think anytime you're pulling votes away from your candidate is not a good thing. Uh, so almost what, over 100,000 people voted non, you know, uncommitted in that uh, Michigan race. Right. That's not 10,000. That's 100,000 people. Now you have to win those people back. Now you're going to win back probably 90 percent of them. But there's 10,000 votes that you might have lost because of it. And so it'll be interesting around the country, particularly with Super Tuesday coming. Right. If you see more organization like this, uh, that's a problem internally within the Democratic Party uh, that could create some wedges that, you know, he needs to hold together that coalition uh, that seems to be quite fragile right now. Visiting with Spencer Kimball from uh, Emerson College polling. Uh, let's take a look at Super Tuesday, which is just around the corner. Uh, North Carolina, once again, is going to be, you know, sort of the nexus of of, of a lot of politicking uh, going on here. District 8 is a huge race. Uh, you've got the potential for a Republican to pick up the attorney general's job. And then, of course, obviously, you've got a contested uh, fight for uh, the governor. Um, what are what are you seeing coming out of North Carolina, Spencer? Yeah, North Carolina, well, obviously, you know, Trump and Biden will be fine up there. But, yes, you, you, you've got your down-ballot races, uh, governor's race. Um, seems that both parties seem to be leaning towards a candidate. Uh, we're going to start polling that, I believe, next week. So we should have some numbers in there. We've been looking at the presidential level mm-hmm. where Trump is still holding. Uh, he seems to be doing better than he did in, in 2020 at this point. Uh, so the state leans a little bit more to the right than it was four years ago, at least in the polling at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not like some huge number where the left can't come back. Um, and it'll be interesting to see in the governor's race where Democrats tend to do better at the state level than mm-hmm. at the federal level. Let's go to the issues that are um, that are front and center uh, in, in your polling around the country at the presidential level. Is immigration the number one issue, or is it the economy? Uh, what are you seeing in your numbers? Well, it is still the economy, but immigration has gone from low single digits to the second most important issue, uh, and it grows. And in some areas, it is the most important issue. You go out to the 20th district in California, it's, um, that, it's the most important issue over there. Um, so it, it is it is rising. We're seeing it even here in the Northeast. Um, and all down the, the East Coast, where immigration hasn't been, you know, really in your face as much as what we're seeing now with the migrants being bussed around the country. So, no, that's definitely an issue. And what it's doing is it's dividing within the Democratic field uh, some of their minority support mm. because resources are being reallocated and the old uh, who gets what and why of politics is, is, is taking shape. And, you know, why am I losing my rec center? Why can't we put it over in this part of the state? Right. And so now we're looking at resources 
it'll be interesting to see over the, the months, you know, the weeks and the months, what the federal government does to try to subside, because in each state they're dealing with the immigration issue. And it has definitely risen. I think it's higher than it was in 2016 uh, when wow. it had become more of a major issue in the campaign. And uh, I always like to, I think of it similar to, remember in 2012 when like the budget deficit was yes. what people talked about? Yes. Well, we're not talking about the budget deficit, but we're talking about immigration right now. And, and that's what voters are, it's on their minds. I want to uh, uh, toss you over to uh, Coach Matt Doherty here. Hey, Spencer. <clears throat> Thanks for being on the show. Uh, I find it interesting uh, on your your um, profile on Emerson College. You teach political and sports communication. Um, and where where in your mind do sports and politics collide, especially as you're going we're going into this election cycle? Well, Coach, I find that uh, sports is the conduit to social change. Uh, there's a community here in Roxbury that uh, me and a colleague we go to, and we try to work with the students, an after-school program for inner-city students, you know, inner-city kids. And we'd come in there, and I would talk some politics, try to explain, you know, I'm in my suit. And these kids would look at me like, who are you? <laughs> we brought in the men's basketball team. They started playing hoops with them. They know their names. And they created relationships. And I said, there's sports. That's how sports works. You can, you, you, there's a, there's a you know, leveling of the playing field. And you go out there, you shoot, you know, you play, uh, and you make connections that way. And, and to me, the sports diplomacy is uh, opportunity to really build bridges between communities through sport uh, positively. So to me, there's lots of opportunities in, in the sports world, of course, we also have to deal with, let's say, uh, stadiums where public opinion might right. be uh, an issue when we have to deal with funding and uh, some of those well, policies. What, what, so, about, what, what about when a coach or an athlete endorses publicly or, or you know, criticizes publicly a president or a presidential candidate and maybe they're not as informed um, as someone like yourself, but yet they do have influence, you know, like a musician, like Taylor Swift. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that aspect of it, especially with sports, when a coach or a player speaks up on behalf of somebody, but maybe they don't have the chops that you have in the industry? Well, I think anytime we're talking about politics and, and people getting in, in, involved, that's always a, a good thing. Um, the difficulty here is, is really that, that connection of impact. So, you know, Taylor Swift, I believe back in 2018, uh, endorsed in the Senate race, uh, was it Phil Bredesen or something? Yeah, I he, think so. He lost. Um, so in Tennessee. So some of those endorsements don't necessarily carry the water. Like, you know, Greg Popovich in San Antonio. Right. I haven't seen a Democrat win statewide. Or here in New England, we had Bill Belichick, who was more of a fan of Donald Trump. I didn't see that hurt, you know, helping Trump up here. Gotcha. So sometimes the uh, those relationships don't necessarily. I think Michael Jordan slowly got in and endorsed uh, maybe Obama, but you know that he yeah casually on the on the sideline. Yeah, his famous um, line was "Republicans buy shoes too." And, and they do. Uh, clearly, Trump is selling his. So, That's right. he, he heard it. And, uh, yeah, but, um, 
you know, you would think you've got 60,000 people in an arena looking at it, but, you know, just look at the number of people who vote in the All-Star games, you know, compared to the number of people who are physically there. Yeah. Because, you know, the actions don't always match with the attitudes. Oh, great perspective. Thank you for uh, sharing. Spencer, wonderful to catch up with you. Uh, I know we'll, we'll, I'd love to have you back on next week as we get closer to Super Tuesday, and uh, we always appreciate your time, and uh, thank, thanks so much for coming by. My pleasure, and hope to have some fresh data for you. All right, you got it, buddy. Appreciate it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Brent Witterbull, and the coach, Matt Doherty. Hey, coach, where do people go if they need coaching? For yeah, like thank that? you. They go to my website, DohertyCoaching.com, Doherty, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y, coaching.com. Great stuff. Uh, a, a tremendous uh, asset uh, to, to this uh, program. and t- w- Tremendous addition, I think, was the quote by uh, Robert. Was it Robert? It was Robert. It was Robert. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. And Our- by the way, Robert, uh, Heels State... Saturday, Chapel Hill, 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Know what I'm saying? Be there, be nowhere. Be a nice addition. Addition. I got your addition. Whoa, 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 hey. whoa. Hey. hey. Hey, later on, I want to talk to you about storming the court. Yeah. Can we do that, we'll do that later Yeah, on? let's do it. Let's grab a couple calls here because people have been patiently holding on. Ken, welcome to the show, Ken. Hi, Brett. Hi, Coach. How are you? Hey, Ken. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm trying to catch my breath. Just got off the treadmill. Oh, all right. Are you bragging? No. Just trying to catch the breath. <laughs> uh, Coach, uh, when you came down from Notre Dame, I know you brought your whole staff with you. Yes. And I asked you one time about Fred Qualabom. Right. Uh, what about Dave Wojcik? What's he up to? Doug Wojcik. Doug Wojcik, uh, who Doug, ironically yeah. has a brother named David. Uh, Doug is the assistant coach at Michigan State. Okay. Yeah. Um, another thing, did you ever – when you were head coach, did you let your coaches have a lot of input, or did they just run the practices with you, or did you run it all by yourself? Yeah, great question. Um, I always relied, and I, and I got this from Coach Williams, um, you know, you, you need to delegate, and, and I relied on my assistants to run different drills and be in charge of some scouting. Uh, and I think as I got older, more experienced, I delegated even more. Um, I hired a gentleman, Larry Mangino, who works for uh, Tony Bennett at Virginia. And he, he knew this offense called the Princeton offense uh, better than I did. And I hired him and I asked him to put it in. And so uh, I think as I got older and more secure and more comfortable in my own skin, I delegated more and was able to then I, – I, I say this to, to – to, I'm an executive coach with uh, Vistage, and I say this to a lot of my clients. I said I think the responsibility of a CEO is to do two, three, two, three things, to cast a vision, drive the culture, and engage in large business transactions. And, and to, to do those things, you need to free yourself up from the day-to-day and get out of the weeds. And, and be able to be available and spend time and walk the floor, so to speak, um, to really push the culture. Uh, because at the end of the day, culture is, is you know, besides, you got to have great talent. But if you don't have great culture, it doesn't matter. Okay. What- oh, we lost him. I think we, we lost him. I'm sorry about that, Ken. 
I appreciate the call. Yeah, it's great, um, great, great insight, great questions. We got hit with a uh, with an EAS, so that's the uh, emergency. Uh, you got hit in a what? With the EAS, right, TJ? Yeah, that's what it is. Right in the. You got e- hit right in the EAS. Well, you can. It can happen. It, okay. when it's stormy out there. Stormy. Jim. Oh. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hello, girls. No girls today. Sorry, they ran off as soon as they heard the EAS alert. <laughs> Oh my gosh! They, they thought they thought that my Maverick was going to explode or something. Oh my they jumped out. I, I bet that's the reason they jumped out. Yeah, Mad Dog Matt Doherty, how you doing there? Whoa, Matt, Whoa Mad hey Dog. Jim, how you doing, man? Mad Dog. You doing okay? Yeah, well, I'm doing ducky. ducky. I'm having a. I'm having the greatest midlife crisis. How about you? Yeah, oh, good. You buy yeah, a pickup just... truck. Most people buy like red Corvettes or something. No, no. I saw this the lines on this this pickup truck, and I'm like, I'm going to get me one of those one day. Yeah, good, good move. What's on your mind today, sir? Yeah, we have to talk about. I think this is part of leadership too. This situation with the president's dog, Commander. You know, part of being a leader is to be able to motivate people, and we consider our pets people too. To uh, do the the right thing, do the things that we need them to do to show their uh, loyalty and respect for the organization. And um, apparently uh, uh, the president is having a really tough time being able to exude the proper amount of leadership to motivate the more subordinate members of his family. And um, uh, I, I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about yesterday about how the Democrats try to uh they they project this this mentality this gang gangland mentality that they can do whatever they want mm. and uh uh that we 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 are uh, subjected to the rules the conventional rules and norms yeah 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 but they get to act out any way they can so i think uh um well, let me let me let let me let coach way yeah let me let coach way in on that uh, jim i appreciate the call um you, you know the, the idea of being able to manage your dog, okay? If you can't manage your dog, it keeps biting everybody. 24 I, I, people I got I just bit. go back to profe- uh, Professor Clouseau. Did, did you, does, your dog bite? does your dog bite? No. <laughs> it bites him. It, it bites him. And he says, uh, I thought you said your dog does not bite. That is not my dog. Dang. And so that's not my dog. I don't have any control over Commander. But if to commander, and I'm looking at the documents, 24 times documented. 20, 20, blood on the floor, like the whole shooting match. Like if that was in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. the uh, animal control would come by yeah. and make a judgment mm-hmm. and take the dog and... You mean take the dog to the farm? Yeah. Like take him up to the farm yeah, upstate? take him to the farm. Upstate. Plant some seeds. Upstate. Upstate. You gotta go. And it'd be upstate. goodbye Irene. Take the dog to upstate. So, you know, but listen, his son's entitled, his dog's entitled. I'm not surprised. Wow. So privilege. Right? Canine privilege? Canine privilege. Canine privilege is a whole new thing. <laughs> that's, that's right. We got we to gotta, we gotta patent that, right? coach. Canine yeah. privilege. Yeah. Love it. So, you know, yeah. It's a great answer. Trem- oh. Tremendous answer all the way around. Thank all right, you. we're going to be crossing the streams with uh, Bo Thompson coming up here next. Bo who? Bo Thompson. Oh, yeah. 
is going to join yeah, us. Yeah, he 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 was he played uh, for the Portland Trailblazers, didn't he? Bo Thompson. Oh, that was Michael Thompson. Oh, Michael Thompson. Very good. Is it possible that could could Bo play over Davidson? Bo could attend Davidson. I don't know if he could play at Davidson. He may have eligibility. You never know. Yeah, well, he probably does be a settle. News Talk 1110.993. WBT. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Brett Witterbull and the coach, Matt Doherty, joining up. We're joining forces with our good friend, Davidson grad, Bo Thompson. Hello, Bo Thompson. Good afternoon, fellas. Hey, Bo. Did you see uh, this thing that just came down? The U.S. Supreme Court is going to decide the Trump immunity claim, which may further push back. All these cases that are coming uh, coming his way, Bo Thompson. This this just dropped from the Supreme Court, and so the plot thickens. It does, boy, does it! Unbelievable. So that's we're gonna... interesting. I, I we were we were watching uh, a couple of days ago as our show was ending in the morning as they were going down. You know what the 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 order of things were for that day, and there was a chance that they could have made that announcement then, and they didn't. And uh, now they come back around. So that's. Um, uh, I, I saw today uh, also that, uh, that that Trump's appeal got turned down as far as the, the fine, right. uh, the, the payments. So you know, it's, it's, here we go. I mean, these these um, uh, musical chairs that we talked about for so long that we're going to have to we were going to have to navigate through uh, you know the electoral process and and then the legal process. Well, well, here we go. And oh, while we're at it, Hunter Biden went in for a deposition today. <laughs> you know, it's this is. There are so many storylines floating around here. I mean, it's it, you really have to pay close attention to all of it. And somehow it's it's more crowded than it was four years ago. Because I remember you and me talking. I think we were we were talking about all the things that were. I mean, you had the impeachment proceedings going on. Right. You had the, the the early rounds of the primaries. Uh, you know, State of the Union. Uh, that you know, and this is right about the time where Nancy Pelosi tore up the speech and and. Um, I remember saying at the time, could it be any more crowded than this? And, uh, oh, yeah, hold my beer, right? Yeah, 100%, absolutely. And Mitch McConnell stepping down as Senate leader uh, at the end of this uh, at the end of this cycle uh, of, of election stuff. So the, so we, we, we obviously we are loaded for bear in terms of all these different stories that are happening at the same time. But I want to I want to I'm going to wrangle coach into, into this uh, and I want you to come in on this because um this is something that I think is an existential threat, not to the democracy, not to the democracy, but to the world of sports. What are we going to do about the court storming 
What? Is, how is this going to get handled? I mean, did you see the fight last night between uh, Texas Tech and, and no, Texas? No, I didn't see that. Oh, my. They were throwing stuff all over the floor. Uh, the fans were th- were heaving bottles and things onto the floor. I got, I got, a, I got an idea. What do you, uh, you, you I, know, I spoke at the North Carolina Farm Bureau's uh, agents on Monday, and I sat next to a guy on Sunday night named Roy. And uh, he had a, just a, a great, great idea. He says, why don't they just drop a net around the court? And I thought back, basketball players used to be called cagers because they actually played in uh, on the court with a net around it. Wow. Which would keep fans from throwing stuff on the court. And it also kept the ball in the court, you know. And so why can't they do that? I mean, it'll be easy with five seconds to go, just drop it. And uh, it wouldn't have to inhibit play, uh, and that would keep people from running on the court. Your thoughts, Bo Thompson? Well, uh, I never thought about that until you just said it, but they do have, you know, the netting around baseball fields. And if you go to a hockey game, they have the glass around the bottom there. Yep. And then when, when you kick field goals um, in, in college and, and, and pros, you know, they raise up that net really fast. Yep. So, and, um, and it got a great branding opportunity. I'm thinking camouflage right. for like NC State. Okay. <laughs> camouflage NC State. And they get like, Bass Pro Shops, right? Because they did win the national championship in bass fishing a couple years ago. Just, just a thought. Wow, deep knowledge. NC State did. Yeah. <laughs> Holy. I, God. I did not know that. Yeah, they won a championship <laughs> in the last couple of decades. Bass fishing. <laughs> so, so, so we have something since 1983. Then that's right. <laughs> oh. No, I, I don't know. I know they've won things in other sports. I'm just sure. You know, in basketball, we we still look back to. Uh, the, the Holy Grail of 83. Yeah. That's true. So I, I've been a part of court stormings, both good and bad. And, um, you know, it's, it's been such a great part of college athletics. But I, I just feel now that kids are running on the court for the sake of themselves, not to really celebrate with the players. Mm. And people yeah. are getting hurt now. And, you know, they're getting hurt you know, I, I, listen, Filipkowski's thing didn't look as bad on film. You know, as a matter of fact, he reached out to one of the students, and some of the students were avoiding him, and then someone tried to push him in the back a little bit. And so, uh, but if, it all it takes is one, like real injury or a fight, and, or a player, you know, is trying to get off the court. I did this in 1993, running off the court at Iowa State as an assistant coach. And people are just pouring on, and you know, I went on the offensive. I wasn't gonna, I was, I wasn't gonna get hit. I was gonna hit, wow, because I wanted to make sure that I didn't get hit, you know. And so people running at me, and I just stuck my forearms up. And but if you know, if that gets on film, and you hit somebody, and they fall down and crack their head, then is yeah. that a lawsuit? Yeah, like where does this go? Oh, that's a good point. And let's say uh, Filipkowski tore an ACL. Now, if I'm his parents. I'm thinking of suing Wake Forest. Interesting. I'll tell you when when uh, when they show it in slow motion, uh, it's it's easy to sort of armchair quarterback and try to you know say, oh, well, that was on purpose or that was intentional. But when you watch it, when you watch the video, whether whether it's this one or the Caitlin Clark one or ones we can think of recently, when you watch it in real time, yeah. you realize how fast that's happening. And every time I see it in in real time. Um, it makes me think if you're a player, that's just that's just 
that's just madness. I mean, I mean, you wouldn't. And the other thing is, is, is uh, why does it never happen at pro games? Because at pro games, if you Oof. set foot on the court, you're arrested. Yes. Um, and and I don't know why. Like like I understand the pomp and circumstance of you know being a being a uh, going to college and that whole whole experience. But you know, I, to me, uh, is I, I don't think it's that important of a thing. I, I think, like Coach said, uh, we're seeing near misses. Yes. And I think we're going to have a moment where something pretty severe happens, and then then people are going to say, well, why didn't they stop it when they could have? That's right. Yeah, because, I mean, really, we're also seeing it from the perspective of above it, not on the floor, and I can't imagine what it would be like with a mass of people running at you. I mean, it's it's going to look like the running of the bulls that uh, people do over in Pamplona. Um, One last thing about that, though. I would love to see people storm the ice in street (laughs) shoes. After a loafers, time, after a time. Uh, it would be just such a great thing to see. These people be trying to run on the ice. Uh, well, how about throwing squid on the ice? Like that, they should stop that. Because what if somebody gets smacked in the face with a with squid? squid? You yeah. got a great story to tell, right? I mean, it's phenomenal. You got squid on the squid eye. I, let me tell you. I mean, it's I, I, I was I, I was at a hat trick at one hockey game in Boston one time, and people threw their hats on the ice, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes a shoe. A sneaker, like a size 12 sneaker that gets thrown on the ice. It was like February 35th, and you're sitting wait, wait, there. February 35th. 35th. It was. It was like that desperate part of of the winter, and you know that guy's got a he's got a mop sop at home. Right. That's bad. He can't get that shoe back. You, you think that he had a couple? I think I, I think the guys around him had a couple and probably pulled it <laughs> off his dozen. foot and threw it. Yeah, a couple dozen. Holy cow! <laughs> what do we got? What do we got coming up on the show tomorrow, my friend? Uh, big Thursday edition. We have David Chadwick, as always, in the 9 o'clock hour. And we'll talk to Eric Spanberg from the Charlotte Business Journal. Some big Panthers headlines this week, uh, and, and namely uh, what you're going to pay uh, for a ticket next season. But some other ones developing this afternoon. Uh, so that starts uh, 6 o'clock with Beth and me tomorrow morning. Looking forward to it, my friend. Thank you so much. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So Joe Rogan and Kid Rock had a conversation about Jesus um, in, in the last couple of days. And I wanted to play a clip of this, Coach. Get your, uh, get your reaction to, yeah. to this. Uh, let's, let's hear from uh, cut number 21, please. I always wonder when people are telling stories, though. Like, how long did that story take before people wrote it down? How many times did people alter it? Just like they do with everything today. I gotta imagine that at a certain point in time in history, they probably didn't tell the truth about a lot of things, and we take those things, tell them through oral traditions, tell, have them written down. Well, there's a difference between lies and between the truth getting, you know, manipulated and twisted a little bit. Mm-hmm. The underlying usually is still there. So you think the the real truth was that he actually was the son of God? Yes. It'd be amazing if it was true. It is amazing. I believe you. I believe that you believe that. Would you like to be introduced to Jesus? Uh, listen, I think the concept of Jesus is absolutely amazing. And if Jesus came here and wanted to visit me, I would be psyched. Would you like to know Jesus? I can, what way? I can put my pastor on your show. Uh, I'm good. Um, She's great. Pastor I'm Paula White. Very, She's Trump's spiritual advisor, too. Oh, that's you should have her on the show. Talk well, about Jesus. I'm very interested <clears throat> in the idea of Jesus being a real person. 
but I look at it the same way I look at everything else. Whereas, like, um, so let's circle what back. the words let's are. Let's circle back. You told me that you believed in Bigfoot. No, no, no. I was joking around. Young. I was joking oh, okay. around. <laughs> I was joking around. Uh, but I wanted Bigfoot to be real, for sure. Just like I want Jesus to be real. He is? Um, well, well, the thing, Bigfoot used to be real. The, the thing that, that I found out when I really got fascinated by Bigfoot. You know how you know Jesus is real right in this moment? How? Because the forgiveness that I am exercising by drinking this Bud Light. It's pretty flip. It, it you know, <clears throat> I think it's pretty cool they're having a conversation. Yeah. And I think Joe Rogan is healthy in his speculation. I think that's healthy. I think that you should question things. Um, Kid Rock's response was, you know, it's faith, and you have to have faith in, in Jesus. Um, and and I went on a, and I'm on a continuous journey, you know, uh, um, religious journey, Christianity journey, uh, journey for Christ. And, you know, a couple books that I really helped me was The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the reason for God, um, which is belief in an age of skeptic skepticism by Timothy Keller. And, and those helped me, um, uh, you know, just confirm what I believe. And I do believe that, uh, Jesus walked this earth. I, I was supposed to go to Israel last fall before the war broke out with my wife and, uh, church, um, <clears throat> up in Leesburg, Virginia, Cornerstone Chapel, um, Gary Hamrick, if, if anybody's looking for just to test the waters and, and it's, it's easy, it's on YouTube, uh, three times Saturday morning, Gary Hamrick, uh, Cornerstone Chapel, he's going to be speaking up in Asheville in August. So he breaks it down really well. And, uh, I do believe that Jesus walked this earth, that he died on the cross and he rose again. And, and, you know, yes, the Bible, you know, you could say, well, nobody that wrote that saw it, you know, that they weren't actual witnesses. You could question a lot of that. I get it. Um, but I, I, that's where the, you have to believe in something and you have to have faith. And, and this is where I get pretty fundamental as a basketball coach. Like, I don't want to not believe and be wrong. Yeah. And then be in hell knowing that I could have been in heaven. I'd rather believe that, like, worst case, I'm going to believe that Jesus was real and he died on the cross for our sins and that when I die, I hopefully go to heaven. And let's say there's not a heaven. Mm -hmm. Well, then there's not a hell either. And at least I maybe lived with, you know, good intentions during my lifetime. But uh, um, all kidding aside, like fundamentally, um, I, I believe that. You know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and, and uh, we can't earn our way into heaven. Like, people—and this is where, as growing up Catholic, like, there was a lot of hoops to jump through, and you feel like you had to, you know, kneel, stand, go to confession, light a candle, uh, do all these things. Uh, but to me—and and this was freeing when I got to SMU, and, and a guy named Chuck Anderson said, you know, as a Christian, you just have to— Believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and he died on the cross for our sins. Like, that is it. And when he said that, and then I repeated it, it was very freeing to me. And, um, you know, I get up every morning, I pray, and I, you know, even when things don't go well, like, that's God. God doesn't promise us a smooth path. 
He promises us some hardship. And, um, you know, I think one of the things we, he does brings us closer to him. I, I think that's a, that's a phenomenal uh, explanation. I mean, I think it's an absolutely phenomenal uh, explanation for how, how it is. And everybody comes to it from a different perspective, too. You know, and I think that's if, if, if you're able to make that leap to believe that Christ died for your sins on the cross, the rest of it is just sort of figuring it out, I, I think. How so? When you say figuring it out. Well, you know, it's, it's natural to have doubts. Yeah. Right? I mean, you think about Peter denied Christ three times, and that was somebody who knew full well that that was Christ. Right. Um, you know, you, you, you think about that. It, it, it's, it's, there's no perfect answer that people are going to be able to find that's going to fit for everybody. And I think that's that's an important. Well, point. we all want proof. We all want uh, something, uh, uh, the video. We want to see the video, yeah. and then even then, you say, "Oh, that's that's edited, right?" Yeah. And that's why faith. It's 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 it is faith. Like you've it's got faith. to believe, correct? And uh, have, oh gosh, un unshakable faith. That's right. That Jesus did die on the cross and he rose again. There you go. Uh, that, three days later. Right on. That's I, I think you you nailed it there, Coach. Thanks. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110-993-WVT. It is the Brett Wearable Show, 704-570-1110. Good to be with you. Let's uh, grab this call from Reed, who's been uh, holding on. Reed, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, Brett? How you doing, Coach? Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, this is Reed, a listener since 1957, believe wow. it or not. Wow, great. Wow. Long time. You guys are the best. Yeah, but uh, I, I taught. I actually taught Bible in public school. Believe it or not, how about that? Uh, Charlottesburg used to have a Bible history elective uh, since the 1930s, and they uh, phased it out probably 2010, something like that. But I taught Bible at West Charlotte High School from 1981 to 2006. Oh my gosh! And what you do is you there's Bible introduction where you see how the Bible came to be made, and uh, the guys that you were talking about talking with. As far as wondering, uh, how long was it? Did they make these stories up? Did it become embellished? Uh, New Testament is first century eyewitnesses. Uh, so it's, it's very reliable, historically. That, that's great information. Can, can you be more specific? Uh, yes. Uh, most of the New Testament was written by 95 A.D., uh, there were still people alive who knew Jesus Christ personally. John was the last disciple mm -hmm. to die. But uh, Mark was written in 45 A.D. Uh, uh, different letters, all of the New Testament. It wasn't hearsay. It wasn't 300 years afterwards. Right. So they, they could have checked the facts if they wanted to. And, and, you, can, and you can correspond that to the, to the Roman records that were, that were kept as well, right? 
Yes, there's, in fact, there's more, ev- there's more evidence for the historicity of Jesus Christ in the secular Roman records than of any other person. Oh, wow. It, people just don't want to look it up, right. and they want to be uh, their own God is the problem. No, that's a, that's a very fair point. There is a there is a very firm basis for our faith. That's that's great. I'm I'm really glad that uh, you 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 checked in with us. Yeah, that's cool, Reed, and and it's cool that you taught Bible in a public school here in Charlotte. And uh, yeah, it was a real hoot. I I had Satanists in there. I had Jewish kids in there. I'd have Protestants and Catholics, and I'd just bring out something and we'd get it going. What, awesome. what, so, what was the no. what was an experience that you know when you maybe have challenged by a student? Um, what what was an experience you can recall that we would enjoy hearing? Well, there there were a number of challenges. I did break up two fights in Bible class on one day, and that <laughs> kind of gave me a little pause. <laughs> no, it's Jesus. No, it's Paul. It was not. Bam, bam. Wow. <laughs> you know what? That that's that's actually not a terrible fight to have. I mean, you're no, you're right. on you're on the right road. You know, yeah, you're fighting about something good there. There you go, exactly. <laughs> Instead of trying to steal someone's sneakers. Holy right. <laughs> well, we appreciate All you right. uh, checking in with us, man. Thank you so much. Okay, keep it up, guys. Interesting program. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. See you later. Bye-bye. Yeah, absolutely. And what, a, what a great call. That was a phenomenal yeah, call. Yeah, that was terrific. Appreciate All right. Reed. I'm going to take you back to sports. I'm going to take you back to basketball, Coach. I got a couple of clips I want to play for you. Antoine Jameson, familiar? Yeah, yeah, and one of the best Tar Heels ever. All right, uh, cut number, uh, is that 16, I think? So. Okay, cut number 16. He's talking to Gilbert Arenas and another guy uh, about the deficiencies in the current era of professional players. Mm-hmm. Go. Jamal Moses is a good friend of mine. I had him in uh, Cleveland, and I congratulated him when he got the job, and he was like, Torn, I'm teaching them how to set a proper screen. And he's not talking about rookies. He's talking about guys that have been in the league for two or three years. And I'm just like, you know, we learned that in college. Fundamentals and things of that nature. So High school. the game of basketball has changed. I mean, imagine us playing in, in today's game. It play, if, if he was playing in today's game, he would be one of the top five players in the league, Antoine Jameson, mm-hmm. because he could guard multiple positions. He could offensively play probably a stretch five or, or stretch four for sure, which is a lot of the positions he played in the NBA. Um, you know, kids don't know how to play. And I think that at a young age, uh, the AAU coaches don't hold kids accountable because they're afraid to because they'll jump to another team. And a lot of the AAU coaches don't know the game of basketball. They just want to be around the game. And so um, – it, it's true. Kids don't know how to screen. Kids don't know how to move without the ball. Uh, kids get training to work on their ball handling and shooting. And it's basically one-on-one training or one-on-o training. And basketball is played with 10 players on the floor. Mm-hmm. And so you have to know how to play with nine other players on the court. And if you don't understand spacing and cutting and setting screens and helping your team get it, get it's it becomes ugly basketball becomes one on five dribble 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 try to get a shot maybe a pick and roll and it's it's not fun to watch at times and you know i think that's really bubbled up to you know college and now the nba and the nba you don't have as much time to practice right. because the rules are in place now where training camp short 
You can't have a, only can have so many two a days. Uh, everyone's trying to rest. Uh, if you have four games in a week, people don't want to practice. A player who turns his ankle instead of being out or not instead of playing might be out three weeks. So it's hard to hold players accountable when they're guaranteed twenty, thirty, forty, fifty million dollars a year. Even if you're a coach getting paid ten, you know who has the leverage. So it 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 it's, it's not the product right. that a true basketball player or coach enjoys watching as much. Uh, the fan, the casual fan, enjoys the entertainment factor, the dunks, uh, the different uniforms, the cheerleaders, the music. <laughs> um, but that's not. The, the truly the sport it's really what's going on around the game that um, has the interest of a lot of fans so I want you to hear from Joe Missoula who is questioned about the way he's managing games and th- this this is I, I, I'm gonna guess this is your kind of guy coach all right we need to be aware of how's the opponent defending us and how can we fully take advantage of that and so like I said I'm not a guy that I don't love threes I love great shots and so if the five is going to be on KP and they're going to be in drop and we're going to have two on ones for threes and we're going to shoot those if they're going to switch and the the mismatches are going to be in the post or in the perimeter for dribble drives then we're going to shoot that and if we drive into the paint and they don't help we have to finish at the rim if they drive into the paint and help and we do kick it out then we get it so uh, this team has really grown into taking what the defense gives you every single night and uh, quickly getting to that you know quickly getting to what that is and trying to exploit it and um, that's why I'm very grateful for this game I think uh, he's like Rain Man in Vegas. <laughs> he probably card counter. Can you? I mean, yeah, coach. He, he Dustin Hoffman. He's got multiple scenarios yeah. rocking. But but I, I, I listen. He he talks about getting great shots. Here's the deal. Right. Get great shots. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of what the defense will give you. If they switch and there's a mismatch, we're going inside to the big against the small. If um, <laughs> if, if 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 that they play a certain way. We're going to make them play two against one and attack the big. So basically he's he's saying we're going to play smart basketball. Mm -hmm. And we've got to be able to read and react and try to create stress on the defense and then see where the opportunity is and make quick decisions. That's coaching basketball. And that's one of the reasons they're one of the best teams in the league. So if you're a player – are you comfortable with that? Like, are you feeling like confident? I love that? Okay. No, no, as I a, love as that. a player, but yeah. but a lot of players don't because they don't understand it. Right. Like, I love playing for Dean Smith because he had multiple defenses and multiple offenses. Okay. Uh, a lot of players didn't like that. Right. Um, you know, he he. <laughs> I, I talked to some players who were being recruited by Coach Smith, and they're like, you know, he came in and said, uh, uh, you know, we're going to play team basketball. We're going to share the ball. We're going to do this and do that. Yeah. And they're sitting on the couch, and they're like, uh, I don't want a part of that. I want to run and gun. And so it's it's really here. Here's what I talk to a lot of my executive coaching clients. Yeah, you've got to know who you are, what your culture is, what your vision is for the program, and what fits. And in the interview process, the recruiting process, you share it. Mm-hmm. And so now that person may either lean into it, really want to be a part of it, or they may not. Right. And you rather know that now right. than after you hire them. And some people say, well, i gotta, I got to hire. You know, it's hard to find good talent. Well, you don't want talent that doesn't fit. Right. And so now by casting your vision and sharing your culture, people that lean into that are excited about being a part of it. 
And that's why I love playing for Dean Smith at North Carolina. And that's why certain players will love playing for Joe Missoula, but not everybody. Right. Because those players that Antoine Jameson was talking about yep. that don't know how to screen, <laughs> they don't want to play for Joe Missoula. They have no idea. Because they won't play. Right. Right. Because they don't know how to play. Where do people go for coaching? DohertyCoaching.com. Great analysis. Town Martinet in Brooklyn, where Bobby Millett and his orchestra are offering a program of dance music. You know, TJ, for not being, like, from New York City or D.C. or Compton, you know, he's basically a country guy. He drops some serious... Big stuff. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's got it going on. DJ, TJ the DJ. I think he could DJ at a game. I think he could be putting up tunes at the game. That's right. At the game. That's right. Keeping you hyped when you're on the sidelines. Yeah, I think he'd need, you know, maybe like, I don't know, a wig and like sunglasses. Whoa. I got that covered. He's got got that covered? Yeah, he's in good shape. He's got it going on. Didn't you officiate a wedding this weekend? Uh, It wasn't a full officiating, but kind of, yeah. Wow. Partial officiating? How do you partially officiate? Yeah, how do you partially do? Hey, uh, can you... Introduce us before and after we do our vows, like a couple hours before wow. the ceremony. <laughs> wow! Did you get uh, Did you get some cabbage for that? No, of course not. Oh. This is my best friend, so it's, uh, it's yeah. Fine. Well, you know, friend. I mean, okay, that's yeah. wild. Really, I mean, you n- nothing, you, nothing, not, nothing for the effort. Well, I mean, I mean, come on. They gave me a place to stay for the weekend in there Colorado, so I guess that's not nothing. Where Where in Colorado? Uh, Colorado Springs. Oh yeah, that's right. It's beautiful. Oh yeah, it's beautiful out there. Windy. Windy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that you bring this up because a, a bride and a groom were getting married, and um, they sent out a, a notice that said what, the couple wanted only the people that were invited to come to the wedding. So if, if it was you and, and your lovely wife, it would just be you two. You couldn't bring the kids. You couldn't bring any other family right. member or anything like that. the way it's supposed to be? The no. bride and the groom made it clear that only those listed on the invitation were, were invited to come, and uh, one one family member took the entire family and brought like not just mom and dad, mom, dad, the kids, a couple Relatives. of cousins, and others to show up at the at the wedding. Now it's one thing going to the church, yeah, like anybody can show up to the church, of course, absolutely. But to the reception, the reception, only the people that That's are invited. Correct. That's correct. Right? I mean, that's, you can't, you, you have to. Unless it's, unless it's Kool-Aid down in the basement, like, you know, some people used to do. Kool-Aid in the basement? Yeah. Like that's awesome. Down down south, you know, like the Baptists and stuff, they used to just like down a basement. Oh, you're at the church and then the you church, just, down every, basement, everybody's invited boom, to come. Boom, yeah. And be, yeah, 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 that Cake makes, and, that, that's, that's, and, that's, that's, and, yeah, that's fine. You know, no, that's absolutely right. No, but, you know, up north, yeah, yeah. it was like, sit down. Yeah. <clears throat> there's no room. Full dinner. You know, you gotta, and and you better bring the envelope. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Yeah. I I I, I have I have been aware of what they call progressive weddings, where what they do is they go to the church, all right? They go to the church, and you have the you have the wedding, then you have some cup masters there who are like looking at who who doesn't look good enough right. to come to oh this, yeah to come to wait to come to the hors d'oeuvres hors d'oeuvres at a, at a so loca- you can make the hors d'oeuvres at a location at a location and then they assess <clears throat> do we want them they evaluate at, at the dinner right and then it's do because we want them at the do you want them at the dessert right cutting the cake do you want them in the room after oh the, 
What? What? Showtime? Showtime? You pay extra for that? That's what? another envelope? What are you talking about? <laughs> I need that envelope back, Coach. You got to give it back to me. I, I think I might have put 500. I meant to put 50. Can, can, can I go fishing through there, please? Whoa. Can hey, I, whoa. Can I make change? <laughs> make whoopee. Where do people go to get coached? Tardycoaching.com. Wow. We learned a lot. Woo. Oh, that's going to Oh, hey, I meant to say, went to a checkers game for my birthday. Yes, sir. Checkers, Lehigh Valley, overtime. Great experience. Charlotte Coliseum, the original. Bojangles wow. uh, uh, Coliseum. Yeah. That's the original Charlotte Coliseum. I played many a basketball game in there. Awesome. If you're looking for a good time, Charlotte Checkers hockey. How about that? Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Enjoy the week, my friend. Thank you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. How do you feel? I feel like a, like a slice of butter melting on top of the Big old pile of flapjacks. The following takes place between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT. Hour number four underway. My name is Brett Witterbull. It's a pleasure to meet you. 704-570-1110. And uh, lots of stuff happening. A rapidly growing wildfire that is scorching the Texas panhandle now rivals the largest blaze in state history, according to the officials. And uh, the flames continue to blacken uh, territory. The Smokehouse Creek fire grew from 800 square miles... Wednesday to more than 1,300 square miles. The largest fire in state history was the East Amarillo Complex Fire in 2006 that burned 1,400 square miles. Authorities are warning that damage to communities on the High Plains could be extensive. And this is a a real problem. So the question I have is, how do we know how this fire started? Serious question. We have people that are coming into the country that we we don't know what their intent is, but we're obviously able to discern that there are people coming into the country who do not have our best interests at heart. So at a minimum, they just want to get in and get a payday and get paid and all this sort of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, we, we, don't, we don't know who's here. We've been paying close attention to what's going on with um, the um, with, with the murder in Georgia that that took place. That is so horribly uh, sad. But there's an even worse one. There's an even worse one, and I, I I know that Donald Trump famously said that these these are not people who are sending their best people to the country. But that is the case. ICE confirms that illegal immigrants are suspects in the D.C. cop shooting and the death of a two-year-old in Maryland. Suspects in a police shooting incident in Washington. 
and a separate shooting death of a two-year-old boy in Maryland were in the country illegally. Stephen Claus Radigan is accused of shooting three Metropolitan Police officers on Valentine's Day after they came to serve a warrant for animal cruelty. He's an illegal immigrant from Jamaica who had been deported before but snuck back into the United States. ICE also said that Nilsson Noel Trejo Granados, accused of murder in the killing of a two-year-old boy in Prince George's County, is an illegal immigrant from El Salvador who had been ordered deported, but Biden still let him, let him walk around the streets. Montgomery County has arrested him twice in the last year. And each time ICE had placed a detainer request to be notified so he could be picked up for deportation proceedings. Montgomery County sided with the murderer. They defied the detainers. The toddler, Jeremy Pucasares, was killed in the crossfire of a shootout on February 8th. His mother was wounded. Mr. Trejo Granados has been charged with first-degree murder and second-degree murder and is being held without bond. You, you know darn well that liberal Maryland will probably let him out. Four others have also been arrested for involvement in the shootout. The incidents are part of a surge of crimes connected to illegal immigrants who were either caught and released by Joe Biden or protected by Joe Biden's sanctuary cities, or in some cases, both. In Georgia, 26-year-old Venezuelan Jose Antonio Ibarra. Well, he's accused of killing a nursing student on a college campus. And Mr. Ibarra snuck into the United States in 2022 and was caught and released under Alejandro Mayorkas. Why don't we take these people when we catch them and deliver them to Alejandro Mayorkas's house and handcuff these people to the stoop where Alejandro Mayorkas lives? Why don't we just we handcuff him to his car so he has to actually do the work of contacting these individuals who are wanted. In fact, I would say this. This should become the national standard for policing. If you're a cop and you're in a sanctuary city and you know that these folks aren't going to get prosecuted, you need to take these folks when you catch them doing rape, murder, you know, robbery, you name the crimes. You can figure out what those would be. And what you do is you take them either to the George Soros district attorney or you take it to um, uh, the, 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 the regular sort of folks that that need to have this guy handcuffed to their stoop, handcuffed to their house, handcuffed so that they can they can just sit there. Now, do me a favor. Do not leave a key. Just leave them there. Leave them there. You, you just you just handcuff them to the door, to the front door of Mayorkas's house, to the front door of the of the of the D.A. that says that we're a sanctuary city and all that sort of stuff. And then they can they can bring them into their house and let them live with them. Look, these are the tired, the poor, the huddled masses. Sure, they've been accused of murder. They deserve a bedroom in your home. If you're a progressive, live your values. Live your values. You have to. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. 
And many of you are. Because you're one of these NIMBYs. You know what a NIMBY is? Not in my backyard. NIMBY. N-I-M-B-Y. Oh, I can't have them in my backyard. I want them in your backyard. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to banana the situation. Don't build anything anywhere near anyone. That's the other uh, little, little usage that gets used out there. So I believe we need to, to, to absolutely mandate that all of the criminals who are in the country illegally, when they are caught with the felonies they are committing, they are to be taken to one of two places, the Soros DA, the Soros DA, or the local Democratic Party. Just take them over to the Democratic Party and handcuff them right to the door. They will probably have a great idea of what you can do with these folks. Because you're either law-abiding or you're law-not-abiding. And I prefer that we abide by the laws of immigration. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. And I'm happy to welcome to the program somebody whose work I always admire. And I'm so happy we were able to connect tonight. Uh, this is Larry Schweikart, New York Times bestselling author. And he's uh, written a number of books. But his latest one with a foreword by Stephen K. Bannon is A Patriot's History of Globalism. It's Rise and Decline. Larry, good to have you on today. Thanks, Brett. Yeah, it's always fun to talk with you. Let me uh, let me ask you this: are, are 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 we on are we on the decline of uh, of globalism? What are we seeing? Are we winning? How does this go? Well, I wouldn't say that the uh, you notice I didn't say the fall of globalism, <laughs> but I did say the decline. I think there's a lot of really really good uh, signals out there. First, politically, you look at and and it's not just the U.S. You look at internationally, uh, populists are fighting back against the global, uh, globalists at the polls everywhere, whether it's Hungary, Slovakia, Italy, uh, most recently Argentina, where Millet was elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a slew of elections in uh, about two months ago in Europe, and all of them went uh, in the populist direction. Uh, the only one that hasn't was recently Finland went the other way. And yet there's this weird story out of Finland that said that they're setting up all these armed training camps to train civilians how to Fight. Now, I thought armed civilians were a problem in this society, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, let me take it back to its genesis point. Where, what, what was the original sin that, uh, that, that created a globalism in, in our world? Well, that, of course, would be the Tower of Babel. I don't think your listeners want to go all the way back that far, but I start the uh, discussion um, of elites who want to control ordinary people uh, regardless of national boundaries. That's kind of how I uh, define it. Mm -hmm. And I start that at the Congress of Vienna in 1814 after Napoleon was vanquished, and they started rearranging maps and peoples. And they did it, of course, always in the name of the people, and it was always the people who got screwed. They got moved around to different countries, and maps got changed. And we pick it up with uh, the Treaty of Versailles with Woodrow Wilson and the League of Nations on up to the United Nations. And uh, e- each group has a different uh, group of elites who come to the fore, like with uh, the Congress. Congress of Vienna was monarchs. With Versailles, it was diplomats. With the U.N. at first, people don't know this, it was scientists 
seeking to control the atomic bomb through this international mm. body called the UN. And, and after they go away, you have the bankers and the financiers through the IMF and the World Bank and Bretton Woods. And most recently, we have the doctors through the WHO, not, not the rock band, uh, not the guys who listened to me when I was playing at the Troubadour. Pete Townsend sat through our set at the Troubadour, very drunk Pete Townsend. Oh After we were done, he came up, slapped me on the back and said, hey, what a good show, what? And, of course, he didn't know what he heard, but not that who, the World Health Organization. And everybody knows how that went, and I think that was the closest we've ever come to having true globalist control because they had their hooks in every nation in the world except perhaps Russia and so let let me ask you this question. Uh, was Donald Trump effective at paring it back during the four years that he was in office? Obviously, we know what happened with COVID and things like that. But up until that that catastrophe that was COVID, was he making good inroads on 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 on, on knocking down uh, globalism? I would say he had set up some really good plans mm -hmm. and was just getting started on that when COVID hit. Uh, for example, he had started the whole Schedule F thing mm -hmm. in which you're going to take federal permanent employees and make them contract employees, which you can, of course, get rid of if, if you want to. He had started the process of moving the federal government bureaus and agencies out of D.C., which is very important. You know, they live in that bubble up there. Mm -hmm. And and uh, they they just don't know any different. That's why you keep seeing these stories. Oh, the economy's wonderful. The economy's great. And you know these are people who are perfectly willing to pay ten dollars for a frappe mocha loca chocolaca whatever it is at Starbucks. <laughs> right. All right. So he was having some success, but but I think COVID uh, interrupted that. I think uh, Trump part D is going to be. Um, on the rampage to to fight back against these people. Okay, so with that in mind, how much damage has been done since 2021? We know about the border. We know about a number of those things. Ha has this administration done much more severe damage, or, or is it not quite as bad as we thought? It's very bad. I mean, you can't look at all the millions of illegal aliens who've been brought in here at the child trafficking. You know, even the other day, they admitted on one of the leftist sites that, well, they don't know what happens to all these kids who yeah. come across the border. Well, I know what happens to them. They get put on a bus and immediately trafficked out, and that's the last anybody's ever going to see of them. Um, so, yeah, uh, Biden has done uh, incredible damage, but the U.S., uh, our history shows, mm -hmm. is an incredibly resilient and strong country. I mean, we came out of the Great Depression. It did take a war, no no question about that. Right. But we came out of a re uh, recession, uh, the Great Depression, fairly quickly. We've survived numerous big, big issues and problems politically, civil war, other things, the British invading, you know, back in when they burned the White House. Sure. So the country's extremely resilient, and with the right leadership, you know, you can accomplish almost anything. So when you look at this, when you look at this picture that we've got in, in front of us, how do you, how do you solve for uh, the challenges that we're going to have with NATO, that we're going to have with the European Union, those sorts of things? Um, yep. how, do we, how do we articulate that so that they, they, they don't, decide to fall into Putin's orbit, but they also at the same time have to respect uh, their need to, uh, to, to pony up. 
Well, I mean, they're they're big boys and girls. They're going to have to start making some big boy and girl decisions, and and that includes uh, handling their energy in a sensible and adult manner. You cannot let the global climate change people tell you whether or not you get to eat or whether or not you get to be warm. Right. And they've got their first taste of this. Uh, this is another reason I'm so optimistic is the farmers descended on Brussels, and they said, no, you will not enact all of these climate change regulations. And, you know, it's funny. When you stop eating for a few days, your mind gets really clear. <laughs> okay, now hold on. Can, can, I, can I hold you over for another segment, sure. uh, Larry? Sure. Okay, yep. stick around. We're going to come right back because I, I, want, I want to get into that issue because we have seen some DIY movements uh, show up, especially in Europe. Heck, we saw them in Sri Lanka once upon a time, too, I think. Uh, people were absolutely furious about about the way they were managing uh, the affairs of of, of these uh, individual countries. So stick with me. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to come back right back to you in, in just a few minutes. Uh, our telephone number. If you had a question for Larry Schweikert, we're happy to take it. 704-570-1110. News Talk 1110. 99.3 WBT. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, the Patriots history of globalism authored by Larry Schweikert. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Continuing our conversation with Larry Schweikert on his brand new book. You, you need to get this book, ladies and gentlemen. This is, this is uh, The Patriots' History of Globalism, uh, brought to you by uh, Larry Schweikert. Good to have you back. Uh, I'm, I'm happy you're sticking with us. Tell me about this mini revolution that has taken place in Europe where we're seeing people uh, uh, dumping out uh, liquefied manure and, and, and dumping, <laughs> dumping stuff in the streets as, as, as ugly as it could possibly be. What's happening here, uh, Larry? Well, it started with all sorts of green regulations coming out of the EU uh, against farmers. And, of course, wherever possible, they're, they're taking farmland and converting it to solar panels, wind farms, you know, whatever else they can do to avoid actually using energy that works. I mean, we got to understand that these things do not work. They, they just cannot produce the kind of power needed for a modern society, not to mention the fact that they're all ecologically horribly unfriendly once you get past the power generation phase when you have to take them out of service. So the farmers reacted by getting all their tractors together and basically boxing in the entire uh, Brussels downtown area around the EU Parliament building uh, to the point that they the the ministers had to give in and remove a bunch of those regulations. Well, that caught fire and moved to France, where it started there as well, and in both um, Ireland and and a little bit in England, not quite as much in England. But uh, so you're starting to see uh, farmers really uh, take matters into their own hands about saying enough is enough. Um, no apologies there to Post Malone um, <laughs> uh, to all of these various uh, regulatory 
programs. And I mentioned, of course, all the elections that are moving toward uh, populism. But here in America, people may not know this, but uh, you asked what Trump had done. Yeah. Probably one of his um, the biggest impacts was in the courts. And, of course, everybody looks at the Supreme Court, and they've been really good on this stuff. They right. ruled in favor of West Virginia against the EPA. Uh, it was a very important decision because uh, uh, what was happening was that these bureaucracies like the EPA would define their own powers and say, well, we've been created by Congress so we can do whatever the heck we want. And the Supreme Court says, absolutely, you cannot. You have to, only things you're allowed to do are those things that Congress specifically allows you to do. This was repeated in a Fifth Circuit ruling, a Jarkizi versus the SEC. Uh, and again, the ruling was the same. No, you can only do those things that Congress says you can do. That one's being appealed, and we think the Supreme Court will back up the Fifth Circuit. But the big one, I mean, the other of all cases, again, due to Trump judges, is coming up soon, and that's the Chevron uh, doctrine mm-hmm. that everybody thinks is going to be overturned, and, and pretty much once and for all, that's going to tilt the uh, playing field back in favor of uh, smaller government and agencies that are much more controlled by our government. And and basically, everybody thinks that the court's going to rule the right way on that one. So those are all due to President so, Trump. So, so for people who are, are not familiar with what that Chevron case is, I, I, I am, but explain it to this audience, because this is, this is sort of a piece of the Jenga that could make it all come down. <laughs> Well, yes. I mean, again, it's basically this, that um, agencies and bureaucracies, bureaus have argued that just because they've been chartered by Congress, that they get to do whatever they want to in terms of their power. Some of them even have armed personnel right. um, that has not been authorized by Congress. And and FDA, you know, the FDA and others, for example, uh, Bureau of uh, agriculture. And so uh, in all of these cases, you're seeing the use of the Chevron doctrine that allowed them to basically go ahead and exercise these kinds of powers. That's about to be reversed in, in what will be a, a rather massive ruling that's basically going to say, no, once again, uh, agencies only have the powers that Congress gives it. Uh, look, this is this is going to be absolutely uh, in, incredible in a lot of different ways. So let me take you back home here. Um, Patriots history of, of globalism. Larry Schweikart, you, you need to go get this book, folks. Um, we come back home. Other than Donald Trump being a, a candidate for the presidency coming up in this in this forthcoming election, do you see glimmers of hope of populism happening inside the United States. Like I'm thinking uh, what Greg Abbott standing up to the White House when they were trying to, you know, make him uh, uh, cut the wire and that sort of stuff. Where are we seeing flashes of this uh, around our own uh, republic? Well, we're seeing resistance uh, from a lot of attorneys general, not nearly enough. Every red state should be basically prosecuting Biden right now for the same kinds of things they're trying to prosecute Trump for, except Biden's really doing them. But um, especially Ken Paxton in Texas has been just awesome here. He won a huge case. I'm sure it'll be overturned at some point, but he won a big case the other day of uh, saying that the recent budget, the trillion budget was unconstitutional because the vote was taken without a quorum. Now, what other state attorney general is looking at stuff like that? But he understands that the battlefield is 
across the spectrum. And so where we see ordinary people getting involved are these Moms for Liberty and, and people getting involved in their school boards and forcing changes there. And that's been massive. If you followed the the elections of local school boards, these have shifted dramatically after all the woke and transoidism stuff came out in the past uh, two years. People said, no, 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 I don't want my kids subjected to that. And so it's really uh, across the board here. I wouldn't put too much faith in big-name politicians or those holding the biggest jobs like the senators. You know, some of these people were born in the 1800s and are still there, you know. But but, uh, locally, there's a lot of things going on and a lot of pushback across the spectrum, and especially state AGs need to get, get in action here. All right, uh, Larry Schweikert, uh, the book is, uh, is, is, is so informative. Patriot's History of Globalism, Larry Schweikert. Uh, where, where do they get the book? Uh, all, all the usual spots? Yep, A- Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and of course our website, The Wild World of History, wild, W-I-L-D, wildworldofhistory.com. We have special offers, combo offers with the book and Patriot's History of the United States, my previous book, Dragon Slayers and Reagan. There's all sorts of offers there. And let me give you one more quick glimmer of hope. Sure. With medical globalism, uh, when they came out with the vax, uh, 82% of Americans took the vax. Only 50% took the first booster. The latest poll shows only 1% are going to take another booster. That's progress. Wow. Larry Schweikert, appreciate you being on the show. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, Brett. Hey, you got it. That's Larry Schweikert. I'm Brett Witterbull. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So we got this huge announcement that came down about an hour, hour and a half ago, and that is the Supreme Court hearing uh, Donald Trump's immunity case. Now, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I'm not an attorney. I'm not any of those things. But one thing is, is obviously pretty clear is the fact that the Supreme Court wants to rule on this. They want to hear this case because... Think about all the ley lines that are happening in front of us right now. And what I mean by that is we have, on one hand, right, we have Donald Trump being prosecuted for the documents case and being prosecuted for uh, the J6 stuff and uh, Fannie Willis's case and Tisha James's case and all these people's uh, uh, different cases. He asserted that he was immune from prosecution not because of a wacky theory that he came up with it's because there is a doj um there is a doj standard that says you cannot prosecute a sitting president of the united states that's why joe biden is not going to go to jail because of the documents that he kept in the garage now Once Joe Biden's out of office, you could prosecute him. If you can prosecute Donald Trump, you can prosecute Joe Biden. Joe Biden's going to have a dodge. He's going to say, I don't remember. uh, My memory is shaky. Uh, Robert Hur said that I don't know anything and I, I, I don't know what the deal is. So this has to become a settled thing. And I'll tell you why this has to become a settled thing, because if Trump gets elected, or Joe Biden gets elected, one of the two, what's going to happen? 
They're both going to assert that they have immunity and, and that they can do whatever it is that they, that they need to do while they are the president of the United States. It has to be, it has to be settled. Because remember, immunity, immunity is something that stops you from being prosecuted, right? You can't be prosecuted. You've gotten immunity. But the minute your term is up, then they can prosecute you with, with, with impunity and not worry about the immunity thing. I mean, just, that's, that's just the deal. But, when, but when, when Donald Trump took the documents to Mar-a-Lago, I mean, he, he, he took the documents. He believes he's entitled to them. When, when he took the documents to Mar-a-Lago and when he um, went out and, and gave the speech that he gave uh, at the Ellipse talking uh, about the January 6th protests and things like that, he was the president. He was the president when he took the documents to Mar-a-Lago until 12 noon on January 6th. Then he was no longer the president of the United States. Joe Biden was the president of the United States. Much of the drama that follows President Trump is because I think he functions in a real world model as opposed to a governance model. Hey, this guy's suing me. I'm going to sue him back right now. Get Steve and make sure that we're suing that guy who's suing me right now. You know, it's like tit for tat. But being in the government is a different thing. Being in the government is a different thing. Like he could say, "Okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to run a military operation uh, to take out uh, Hamas uh, in some location that we're going to hit them with. Right. And you get you gather together all all of your your military uh, advisors and and the generals. And you say, hey, I want to take out this this den of vipers. These Hamas guys, what they're doing over here is just unacceptable. It's got to stop. And I want to be the guy that's going to be in charge of getting that knocked out. Well, the military will do that for you. Military will do that for you. But if you if if you start treating your military like it's your personal Praetorian Guard, um, or if you start treating your attorney general like he's your personal lawyer, that's what Bill Barr hated about about working with Trump. Um, that's going to be a different thing. So, like, what I think should happen with President Trump. At this stage of the game is he should be building if he if he thinks he's going to win the election, he should be building a superstructure inside his operation that's going to be able to handle the stuff that the government lawyers aren't going to be able to handle. I mean, that that would that that's how you would probably do that. Right. I mean, you know, you're supposed to, you know, remember what they were doing with him with the emoluments and they were saying you have to put all of your money, uh, put it away. You can't know about the investments. You can't know about any of that kind of stuff. Right. That was a big thing. The emoluments. When you think about being the president of the United States. You know, there's limits to what you can do as a president. There's limits. He functions like an unlimited guy, but there's limits. There's there's limits. Joe Biden is such a limited guy that he has to go out and try to find ways to play games because he is he is 
1,000% Washington, D.C. I mean, from back in the day, his whole life, his whole existence is Washington, D.C. He's never had like a straight job. He's never had to go shine shoes. He's never had to go, you know, sell door-to-door Encyclopedia Britannicas. He's never done that. He's never run a business. The business is is their, their brand is the business. And that's that's a that's a different thing, too. But these two men, the thing that's interesting about these two men is this. Whoever wins is going to prosecute the other one. I'll guarantee it. I will get I will guarantee it. One thousand percent. They will try to figure out who it is that that that's going to have to get uh, arrested and put away and all this kind of stuff. And to be honest with you. This is going to be a very exhausting ride. You need to be prepared for this because this is not going to be a conventional race. This is not going to be a conventional outcome. Um, America is is I'm not going to say it's at a tipping point because I'm not a panicky guy like that. But it's going to be a lot of unsettled business that's going to have to get settled. Or as the old timers would say, come over here and I'll settle your hash. Um, You you you. You're, you're not looking at a conventional race. I, I think the, the last conventional race we, we, we saw in our lifetimes, I mean, honestly, if you really think about it, you're going back to the second term of Bill Clinton. Because 2001 was in dispute. 2004 was in dispute. 2008 was chaos. 2012 was a weaponized government against the people in this country. And then you get into Donald Trump and then you get into Joe Biden and then you get back into Donald Trump or Joe Biden. We really haven't had a conventional race. You know what? I'd go back even further. George Bush. George Bush taken on Michael Dukakis in 1988. I would argue that's the last conventional race we had as the presidency of the United States. Since then, really not so much. But you have to remember, we had an election during the Civil War. We had an election come off during the Civil War. And it all worked out. It's just a matter of being patient, understanding who the challenge is. The challenge is always going to be Washington, D.C. or the state capitol. And it really shouldn't be your neighbor's. Because your neighbors are trying to do what they can do, and you're trying to do what you can do. And we ought to have some safe spaces here where we can chillax a little bit. That's a technical term from the Latin in Rome, chillax. It means to chill and relax. Thanks uh, so much to my good friend Isaac and Anna and Pam and, of course, Matt Doherty and TJ and each and every one of you. Check out my tour, tourwithbrett.com. The uh, Coaches Show is coming up next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT.